Hey everyone, I'm welcomed today by the Reverend Carissa Sully, uh, who is one of the, uh, re, uh, wait, I got the title right, uh, the National Consultant for the Uniting Church in Australia's Assembly Resourcing Unit. Uh, welcome, Carissa. Thanks for coming along. Thanks, Liam. Uh, good to uh, connect with you in this way. So you, the reason we're kind of doing this, or one of the reasons was you're, you're going to be part of what will have already been up, our live stream service for the churches in the in the northern harbour this central coast uh in sydney or new south wales i should say uh and you know usually when a guest speaker comes you do maybe a, a bit of an interview with them at some point in the service or you give them a block to kind of do their spiel uh you know where they get to talk about what it is they're <laughs> doing and try to connect people in and this kind of afforded us an opportunity to uh, take a little more space with that uh you know to have a bit of a chat about you know not only who you are but what you're doing you know, your life in the church and the wider church and, and, and what you're passionate about. And, and hopefully also given the medium of, you know, this going up on, online and as a video and as a podcast, get out to more people, maybe save you a couple of trips once this whole thing's over. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> so, so I guess maybe just we'll start just a bit with you, just, you know, a bit about who you are and, uh, uh, you know, what, what, what are the, you know, the few couple of key things you'd want people to know about, yep. about you, Rev? Um, so for me, so yes, my name is Carissa Suli. I'm a second generation Tongan Australian. So I was born in Manly. So I am truly a Manly girl. Like <laughs> Manly is my home, even though I don't live on the northern beaches right now. Um, but from the age of five, I grew up in New Zealand. So at different times, you will hear a bit of a New Zealand twang that will come through my voice, <laughs> through my accent. Um, but then I came back in 98 uh, to back to DY and have continued living life and creating a family. I'm a mother of four children. So I have um, two young adult children. So my oldest is, what is she now, 21. Um, and she's actually working in uh, ministry at the moment. So she's the children and youth ministry worker for Willoughby Uniting Church. So part of Sydney Central Coast Presbytery. Um, and my second daughter is 19. And then, uh, so she's doing study at the moment. And then my third daughter, I'm trying to remember, uh, she's 14. So she's in year nine. And then God has this funny sense of humor that I think is not funny. Uh, we have a two-year-old son as well, which is crazy because you've got the 21-year-old and the two-year-old. So uh, my life can go from having deep and meaningful conversations to goo-goo-ga-ga, um, you know, and jumping on the trampoline. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 it's life. It's life for me right now. Um, so married to Langi, who's also a, who is a first-gen Tongan. Um, so we're currently living on, um, uh, on, where are we living now? We're in the Southern Shire area. Um, what else is there? So I'm currently, uh, working as the, uh, one of the national consultants, uh, for the assembly, which I'll talk a little bit about my role later. Um, tell me what else is there about me? I have a passion for, uh, working with youth and young adults, but also within the multi-cross and intercultural space. I... For me, my passion is that area. How do we continue to build bridges between the different generations and how we continue to help our church know how to minister within a multicultural setting? Um, that's a little bit about me that I can think of at the moment anyway. 
That's great. And, and I'm excited to get into conversations around the working with younger generations and, and cross-generationally and in the cross-cultural, intercultural and multicultural space. I'm also excited because I think, because I, I, I uh, grew up kind of on the northern beaches and lived in DY for a while uh, back in the day. And I think you're <laughs> the first guest from the northern beaches. So I'm expecting it to be the best yes. episode uh, because <laughs> of that. Um, we'll get, we can get really insider about like, you know, DY geographics and, and, and cafes and bars later and just drive all the listeners away. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. We'll hold on for a while. Uh, so, well, let's talk about your role. You, you mentioned that. Uh, what does, you know, cause it's not necessarily the, 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 you know, right there in the name, but what does a national consultant, for the Uniting Church in Australia's assembly resourcing yeah. unit do? Cause there's a few of you, uh, you know, um, there's a few other national consultants, um, so what's, yeah. what's, what's, I mean, I guess everything's a bit different now, but generally when you, when you signed on for the law, what was the, uh, yeah. when you answered this call, what was it about? Yeah. Yes. Um, so we, I came into a new restructure of the assembly, um, where there were, there was a season where we had executive directors for different ministry areas. And so part of the restructure that I came into was they created the assembly resourcing unit and they called three national consultants. So I have two other colleagues who have the same title and they decided that we would be like a multidisciplinary team. We would be a project-based team who would resource the church in different ministry areas. So each of us will come with different areas of expertise and as projects came in or as the needs increased within the life of the church, we would respond as a team. Um, and so the areas of expertise is, you know, multi and cross-cultural ministry, discipleship, uh, social justice, uh, how do we continue to walk with our first peoples, our second peoples? Uh, we also have other roles within um, our unit. We've got a theologian in residence. Um, we also have a covenanting consultant. Um, as well as our Associate General Secretary, whom uh, I report to, and EN admin staff as well, and a comms and resource officer. And so I guess part of our role, um, as I said, is project-based and it's responding to the needs of the church. Um, and so we respond through um, collaboration with our synods, um, even within the local church, um, national conferences. So I'm not sure if people are aware that within the Uniting Church, we have 13 national conferences and they are spaces where migrant communities can gather nationally and they can share resources or they can um, talk about some of the issues um, and some of the joys of being in ministry and how they can share across um, yeah, across uh, the, the different uh, presbyteries that they come from. Um, so, yeah, that's like some of the work I do. That's great. Is there a, a particular resource or response that, you you know, you think has been that people should know about that maybe they wouldn't, that you'd like people to, you know, get their eyes on? Uh, you mean in terms of a resource? Yeah, anything that, that, that you guys yeah. have been doing that you're like, this was cool and it, it responded to a real question yes. and I think people might want to check it out. You know, we can do some more plugs at the end. Let's just throw one in now. Just for, just for yes. Uh, the one for me that comes out um, off the top of my head and is one that we continue to develop um, is this resource. It's a intercultural and intergenerational resource, which at the moment the name is All of This Is Us, Church and Culture. Um, churches have been asking oh how how do we minister to a multicultural church you know like we keep we keep turning out these beautiful statements you know 1985 we are a multicultural church uh, statement but we're finding that more and more as the church um puts out beautiful statements um beautiful working papers 
ministers and ministry agents are not well resourced, right? They get caught into a congregation or into a certain um, ministry setting, but there's no there's no um, resource to help them continue to minister. You know how? What are the cultural awareness um, workshops do we have out there, or resources we have out there? You know, some congregations may have second and third generation migrant young people. How do they minister with them when they are living between two worlds? And so this resource uh, that I've developed uh, through the resourcing unit with my colleague, Reverend Dr. Apoi Ting, um, who's based in Melbourne. So he's the other one of the other national consultants. Um, we've created this workshop based on experience, based on theology, um, also based on uh, our own research and how we continue to bridge the gap between the different migrant, uh, between the generations, but how we can better resource our leaders so that they can uh, do the work that God's called them to do um, uh, with the resources that are on hand for them. Oh, that sounds exceptional. Um, so we'll, we'll link, I'll, I'll link to that. I'll put more info on that, that below in the show notes so people can check it out. That sounds yes. so important and, and actually touches on some of the questions I wanted to ask you today. So that that's good because... Yeah. Uh, so I was listening to, when I was doing a little research, you know, I was getting getting things ready, uh, <laughs> and I, I was listening to a bit of an interview you did a few years ago now with the uh, ABC Religion and Ethics uh, radio show. Oh, yes, I remember uh, that. And, you know, we are talking about your your placement in um, DAFTO Uniting Church. Yes. Uh, yes. And how that, that church went from when you were, first went predominantly white church uh, and became yeah. increasingly multicultural across the time you were there um, from, from a yeah. variety of cultures people people started attending the church yeah. I guess first how, how did you find that process as a minister were you kind of in that space where you were like huh, I really wish there was someone from the National <laughs> Assembly had written a great resource for this uh, you know what was it like being the minister in that time and I guess you know tied to that as you're working with that group that had been you know, from the from the dominant culture and had been the majority culture in that the, the white people in that church what was it like trying to work with them? What was what were some of the things that kind of continued to come up that either surprised you or maybe didn't of of what they were dealing with and what you had to kind of work with in order for this uh, you know the church to be not only multicultural but actually fruitful and constructive in yeah. that space. Yeah. Um, so when I was first called into Chapter Nine Church, I must say it was. Uh, a wonderful place. I'm like, I really enjoyed my time there with the people. There are a large congregation. And I think often when you are ministers or new ministry agents start a new placement, you see the blind spots so much, you know, so easy. And it's interesting that what I saw was he was a congregation who actually didn't realize at the same time how multicultural they were just within um, some of the um, groups who were already within the life of that congregation. And I didn't go in with the expectation that I want this to be a multicultural church. I think the more that we looked outwards into how we can connect with the community, people were drawn into coming in and being part of the church. And one of the gifts of the members of that United Church, that they were quite, they're a very hospitable and generous community. So the fact that they could come along for the ride and make connections with the wider community um, was quite easy to do uh, because of them and because of how generous that they were. Um, but I guess for me, I was fortunate that when I had gone into the role as the minister for DAPDO Uniting Church, I had previously worked as a cross-cultural consultant for New South Wales ACT Synod. So my learnings from there had actually helped me to um, make connections with people 
uh, who weren't from the dominant culture. So, so I, I, I'm, I was quite advanced, I guess. I still don't have yeah. all the answers, mm. but my previous learning, my previous research or training actually helped me to be able to grow the multicultural aspect of the congregation. And I think once we actually stripped away the idea of we need to be a multicultural church and actually came back to how do we share the love of Christ or how do we, um, you know, how do we share, like how do we get people to experience what we're experiencing, we're experiencing the love of God and we want our neighbours to experience that too. I think when that came in the forefront, then being a multicultural church or how we minister to multicultural church came later, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. I think that's really a helpful framing. Thank you for that. Um, I was thinking, like, I've, I've definitely experienced this either through churches I've had some connection with or stories I've heard from other ministers where, okay, a church realises that, okay, the area we're in has changed, right? It, it used to be a predominantly Anglo area. It is now a multicultural area. So if the church is going to reflect its area and meet people who are moving in, it's going to become more multicultural. And there might be some people in the church who are very keen for that, uh, but there's sometimes, you know, various attitudes and prejudices that are held in places and sometimes unconsciously, right? People don't even are yeah. aware of, you know, that the things they are saying, uh, you know, are offensive, right? Um, yes. Uh, and, you know, so, and people often talk about, okay, the things we're going to make to help us become a multicultural church, we're going to start putting multiple languages on the screen. We're going to start uh, looking to have maybe, you know, our passing the peace in different languages or, you know, the uh, important changes um, to the liturgical, the aesthetic space, but, there hasn't been the address of that, some of those underlying assumptions and beliefs, and so that if anyone who is from a different culture comes in, they're not exactly entering a necessarily a safe space where they are going to encounter the love of Christ uh, through the interactions with yeah. those people there. Have you had any thoughts from your work in the Synod, work adapter, now work in the Assembly, of, of how you begin those, kind of address some of the more underlying stuff before jumping to the yeah. uh, aesthetic, liturgical uh, decisions up here? Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. So, you know, I always get asked all the time, so how do we minister? You know, what are we doing wrong? Like, what do we need to do to better minister in this multicultural setting? And to be honest, Liam, it comes back to relationships, relationships, relationships. And I'm telling you something that you already know. Often we underestimate in the church how important it is to actually grow our relationships with each other, you know, grow relationships with God, you know, and with our neighbours. Um it honestly, it comes back to taking time to grow the relationships. And like before we can even look at the aesthetics of changing, you know, the multiple languages, it's actually about not only the minister getting to know, you know, the refugee family that's walked in through the doors, but how does the congregation itself extend the generosity and love to take time to want to get to know them too. Um, so I do believe it comes back to building relationships and getting to know uh, the people, um, but like that would be key before I, I, I can give you a framework, you know, like, I mean, uh, I, I guess if I was, so. is that all right? Like, that, no, I think that's great. I think, like, yeah, relationships. Yeah. I think, you know, it, 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 having friendships, you know, across cultures, you know, is, is such a, you know, genuine friendships that aren't, you know, tokenistic or anything like that. But like, that is, yeah. is, is, is an important space to start. And I was thinking even, you know, the other part of your passion being that, youth and young adults thing is that church is often wondering about, yeah. okay, how do we, you know, grow younger? How do we make those connections with the youth? Like, again, relationships, yeah. you know, chat to yes. people about who they are and how school or uni or work is and, you know, 
after exactly. that, you know, that that should at least be you know somewhat of an established um, rapport before the question is, hey, do you um, can you run AV on Sunday? Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> can you read the Bible? That's right. You know, and plus part of the relationship building, as you know, like, you know, you're getting to know someone, you're getting to hear people's stories. And when people feel like they're heard, they feel like, hey, I do have something to offer. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to ask one more question on this topic of the of, of the multicultural and, and, and cross-cultural ministry thing. We, you, you mentioned earlier yeah. in, in 1985, a beautiful document was released. You know? uh, yeah. And we are, Uniting Church in Australia, we are a multicultural church. Uh, now, at the time, it was probably as much um, descriptive as uh, aspirational, uh, you know, yep. there's a, you know, a sense of it, you know. Uh, and I'm wondering, you know, we're 35 years on. Uh, as yeah. you say, there are 13 national assemblies, you know, representing different cultural cultures or different uh, nations or language groups as the most recent, the uh, Spanish-speaking one. Uh, yes. Um, so there's that. There's... You know, plenty of ministers uh, from from all different cultures. On every, any given Sunday, you can find uniting churches worshiping in various languages, yep. uh, various cultural styles. But I guess the question is, like, you know, how much have we lived up to to this promise? Lived up to this declaration? If we think yep. not just about these kind of that space has been made for various monocultural expressions, uh, yep. and going beyond, how much can we point to? actual expressions of multicultural or intercultural, cross-cultural churches uh, and and witness and discipleship, you know, under a uniting church banner. You're you're too good a guess not to kind of put this question to. So that was my... Oh, no, totally. It's a great question. Um, And to be honest, it wasn't until I was fortunate enough to uh, represent New South Wales ACT Synod at a um, research conference last year in Ohio. And the conference was with um, Ohio University uh, with Professor Corey Edwards. So she's the head of the sociological department. And so she did a five-year research in how do we minister to a, uh, they call, they, they don't use multicultural, they use multiracial, um, a multiracial church. And it wasn't until I attended this conference that I realized how far Australia has actually, uh, how far the Uniting Church has actually moved forward in this space. You know, sitting around um, sharing with uh, white American pastors or black, black Af- uh, American um, pastors and seeing how behind they are, like before they can even touch the church, like their society itself, you know, colored people are still trying to find their mark in society. But at least for us as a nation, you know, there are opportunities for people of color. It, it may not be a lot, but at least there are opportunities. And then when I come back to the context of the Uniting Church, we actually have come a long way. You know, we at least ordain people of colour, you know, and they are recognised within the United Church. We at least um, give space for the migrant national conferences that we have. Like we are saying as United Church, we support, you know, our, our migrant congregations to gather and speak in their own language. We at least, you know, as you said, we, um, you know, we do have people of uh, ordained ministers um, from different migrant communities we even have women in ministry which for a lot of the migrant communities you know it's quite a male dominated um you know culture or it's it's a male driven ministry 
But we still, so we've, because I want to acknowledge that as the Uniting Church, we have come a long way and we have made some positive steps in how we include um, uh, people of color within our ministries. Um, but I think our strength, no, I, our strength has been the monocultural models of ministry. We are very strong in being a monocultural uh, church, even though we declare that we are a multicultural we still have very strong pockets of monocultural congregations. Mm. But I think as we move into the future, you know, with second and third generations rising and our young people rising, I, you know, maybe they will be the generation that leads us into how we truly be a multicultural congregation, right? That people can walk into the church and, and, you know, the, um, the, sign on the church won't just say it's a Tongan congregation, but would just say, you know, it's DY Uniting Church or whatever it might be. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to be a specific culture. So I believe the next generations will help us take us there. Hmm. Um, Yeah, but but we still have a long way to go. We're we're not there yet. Like, you know, we're still as a church from what I see, there's still, you know, it's the white dominant culture, you know, that are sitting on all the committees that are all on the leadership, right? But for me personally, Liam, like the fact that I am in a national assembly role as a young Tongan woman, uh, for me, when I was called into that role and I was like, wow, they're going to call a Tongan woman into this national role. And I think the church is really serious about making change, you know, so... Yeah, we've come yeah. a we've come a long way, so we should celebrate that too. Mm. But also look at how we can continue to be truly be the body of Christ, regardless of culture. Great, thank you for that. That's a really helpful helpful response. So thinking about the the youth and the young adults, then you know as they as they're going to take you know keep pushing us forward and, and thinking about the next stages. You know, you mentioned you've got. Uh, you know, the four kids and, and one of them is very much involved in uh, the church and thinking about your work with youth and young adults uh, you know, throughout your ministry life and continuing, I guess what are, what are things that you have learned or are continuing to learn from from talking to the young people about, about church and life and, and the society that we're all living in? What are some of the things that, you know, you personally have, have been learning? So I think that's, you know, so often the, you know, yeah, what 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 is helping make you the expert that we're calling on in the church from from hearing yeah. from those people? Um, I guess for youth and young adults, and I and I'll speak from a migrant perspective. You know, a lot of our um, second and third generations they they grow up in communities. You know, they grow up in the church and are very loyal. They are loyal to the church. They are loyal to their families but often we can see them get lost where, you know, they will then um, stop coming to the church once they get to a certain age because they just can't handle it anymore because sometimes culture can take over. Can, it can be the forefront before what Christ calls us to do and be. And so for a lot of our migrant young people, what I'm hearing is that they want space to be able to express themselves even if, it, express their faith, even if it looks different to what the traditional model of church looks like. Um, I'm also hearing that um, what would be helpful is that we're not just looking at um, bringing up just the second and third younger generations, because the reality is for a lot of migrant communities, 
It's about intergenerational ministry, right? We could send all our second gen to like a national event like NIAC or NCYC, and it's an amazing experience for them, right? But the reality is they come back to their home church where a lot of the first gen are still in leadership, are still in power. So how do we actually help bridge that gap between these generations so that there is a fair playing field also that not only are, you know, first gen uh, leading, but how do we actually unlock the, the strengths of both generations so that they can work together and be the body of Christ? And so particularly for migrant communities, because they already do everything together, like you may see them, you know, like, you know, if there's birthdays, like they're all together, or if there are funerals, they're all together. So that actually building community is not an issue, but the challenge is how do we talk to each other? Especially when we're growing up in um, structures where, you know, you listen to your elders or you listen to the minister, you don't talk back, right? So, you know, I believe the church has space um, in, in this kind of context to help generations not only unlock their own strengths to, you know, work together, but also what are the tools that we can give to help generations talk to each other? Because, and, and that's the challenge for migrant communities. It's not the, the issue or the challenge is not how we build community and how we fill the seats. They can do that easily. But how do we talk to each other um, and still hold on to what is true or still hold on to what we believe, but be okay when there are times of difference? Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's a, a super important perspective on that and, and, and a real challenge, but, but a helpful one. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you for that. And I think... That's, I, mean, I experienced when I, I, when I helped out on the last Aurora, which was a few years ago now, um, yeah. but like the team who were running it, like I was at that point maybe almost 30 and I was like the second oldest kind of thing and it was a bunch of people younger than me <laughs> and, and most were, again, that second and third gen from, from Tonga and Korea um, and, and yeah. a bunch of other places and, and like, yeah, it was like, and they ran this like 800 person thing don't let Brayden like you know convince anyone that he was like the mastermind it was like this whole team um this will be a test to see if he listened uh um, but like you know Brayden did great but there was this whole team who like took on such a huge task and and pulled it off so well and then yeah you always wondered what happened when they returned you know what happened to all these folks when they returned was it either the yeah exactly you know okay now you're just back to to sitting and listening or was it you know sometimes it's the other way maybe more in, in in Anglo um congregations which I can speak from where it's okay great so you just take over this thing now um <laughs> and great and like we won't like do any extra trading or resourcing or, or yeah anything. that's right exactly um, just do it we, you know wonder why you got tired um <laughs> yeah so but I think you know there are these great opportunities sometimes to foster leadership but it has to be a yeah this long-term listening yeah. and, and hearing and yeah being willing to take the risks that, that things might look different um but each generation has to has to discover how they you know express and articulate the, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's right. And and also the other thing too that I'm seeing and hearing and learning is that, you know, when you're dealing with second and third generations, like, you know, if you're the minister and, you know, you, you know, you want to get to know them and, and maybe in your mind, you're like, I can see that like, they'll be really good at leading like the youth ministry. Mm-hmm. So I'll just, you know, have a conversation. And then as you begin to build relationship, you know, sometimes as a leader, we think, no, we just want to concentrate on the youth stuff. Like, I don't want to hear about everything else that's happening. But when we actually begin to build relationship with second and third generation migrant young people, you know, don't expect to just pull one tapestry and you're like, no, we're just going to talk about youth ministry. Because as soon as you pull on one, they will actually give you other tapestries of their life, Mm -hmm. right? 
And so often leaders are like, oh, no, 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 I just want to talk about youth ministry. But you'll get, you know, a whole outpouring of, well, this is actually what's happening for me economically or uh, psychologically, this is also what's happening for me. And so if we want to embrace our next generation, then know that we need to embrace the whole being Mm. of our, you know, next generation. It's not just, oh, just their gifts for youth ministry. I hope that makes sense. Oh, that's 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 a word of <laughs> truth. I love it. Uh, okay, so we're, we're coming to a close in this conversation, <laughs> uh, but obviously one of the, the the main topic that everyone's talking about is is, is obviously how COVID nineteen has changed everything. Uh, and I know we were talking a bit before off mic how you know the differences in how we think about how we do stuff, you know, worship and and discipleship, and how we connect. And a lot of the focus has in some ways been on the. On the, on the negatives, and, that, and that's okay. It's right to express some of the grief that we have for how things are not how we would like them. But I'm wondering if from your own experience of, of developing worship materials through the assembly, of, of leading worship online through Holy Week, uh, of, of speaking in different places, and just what you're seeing, is there anything you've seen that's been developed or started or trialed or expanded in this time that you're thinking, hey, even when we no longer have to do it, this is something I think we should keep doing? Or even maybe in a different form, but this inclination, this thing that we're testing out here or doing a bit now, I'd love to see that continue. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back to uh, what I said earlier. Like I'm seeing that there's more opportunity since COVID-19 to interact with people. <laughs> so, you know, relationships, relationships, yeah, relationships. Yeah. Right? Because, like, how cool is it that all I'm seeing I'm seeing, um, you know, the presbytery boundaries being crossed. Yeah. It's no longer a central, central, it's an easy to Christ thing or, you know, just that minister from that particular presbytery. Like I'm seeing ministers from across presbyteries gathering. How do we help each other? I'm doing this. Okay, I'll share with you what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You can use this. And they are coming from all over the nation, right? Yep. I think that's great learning for all of us as a church. You know, our yeah. our, presby- our boundaries are in there for uh, um, for a particular um, task, but there are opportunities when we shouldn't allow our boundaries not to share resources or not to cross over. Like, I mean, I'm seeing it more clearly now that so many ministers and ministry agents are doing more yeah. um, and they come from different parts yeah. of the nation. So that's really good. Um, in terms of the online worship stuff, well, I just want to take my hat off to all the ministers and deacons and chaplains and ministry agents who have just had to turn up. You know, you went through theological college. I did. There was absolutely no session on online church. Let's be real. Yeah, that, that's very true. <laughs> I'm doing true. technology. So, you know, the fact that our ministers have faithfully turned up, regardless whether people say this is the right thing or not, I just want to acknowledge that they're doing amazing and I think we all need, after a certain period of time, maybe, good, you know, we just need to ride the wave and at some point pause. And as you said, just take some time out to, okay, let's look at what we've learned. Um, and I know some of those conversations are already happening uh, across our, this particular synod, uh, the moderator asking those questions. What have we learned? What are we seeing what needs to change? And I think they're some of the key questions for all of us um, as leaders, as members of the church to think about and how we can do ministry better. Um, probably the, the other, the final thing I'll say is it's been interesting doing online service where I've used Facebook Live to Zoom via Facebook Live um, to just writing 
you know, uh, like doing no live, but just writing content and sending it out to a congregation. I don't think it's about, uh, I guess I don't think it's, I've discovered yet which way is better, you know, which has been the best platform. But what I have heard a number of times from the local people, it's always that they said to me, oh, I love what you're doing or thank you for this. Um, we just want to see the person like, oh, we weren't really interested in like the bright lights or, <laughs> you know, the, the fancy um, slide that showed up on the live screen. And so for <laughs> me, like that was really humbling because mm. I'm like, yeah, people want connection, right? Yeah. They want connection. And now is a time for us as a church to think about how do we look at our connections? Like, as mm. you know, when our internet connection sucks, our live stream will not go well. Yep. Um, so I think this is an opportunity for all of us as a church during this COVID-19. And if I could use the language of COVID-19, what is essential and non-essential in our ministry? Like now's mm. the time to name that and, and explore different ways. Yeah. Who are the people we need to connect with and, and what are the connections that need to be made regardless of what platform we use? So yeah, that's some of my musings over the last couple of weeks. They're great musings. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so Chris, thank you so much for, for, for chatting to us and uh, hopefully you know, not only, I think, you know, only from those from the Northern Lakes Uniting Churches of Warnervale, Wye, on Tuclea, Mannering Park, but to anyone who is watching this, thank you for your time. Uh, is there anything you want to draw people's attention to, you know, from the assembly or from, from anything that you just want to, like, you mentioned before, obviously, the, the great All of This Is Us uh, resource, but is there anything else you just think, hey, keep your eye out for or, or check out this thing? Uh, yeah, check out the, keep an eye out for the domestic and family violence um, resource that we are pulling together, um, in, even in this COVID-19. You know, we, we've even heard our government talk about um, increasing funding uh, to yes. help those experiencing any form of domestic family violence. So the Assembly um, has been, you know, we have this space in some ways to look um, in that area of social justice and how we can help provide support for our ministers for our ministry agents and how they respond and also the local church. So look out, a resource yeah, is coming. Um, but I'll also point you to the assembly website. Um, our comms director has been doing a great job in pulling mm. through what other synods are doing, resources, prayers yeah. from the president and our moderators. Um, yeah, head out to the website. We've intentionally changed the look of the website to help people navigate, um, you know, what they're looking for that can help their ministry during this time of COVID-19. And also just want to say thank you for having me as well and just wish, um, you know, all the congregations um, blessing and love and just encourage them to go gentle. This is a challenging time for all of us. And so just be gentle on yourselves. Um, take the time out you need. Um, and yeah, and call Liam. Like if you need someone to talk to, call your minister. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. And yes, uh, uh, ditto. Uh, oh, great. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you.